Welcome to another edition of Ring the Bell with the Masters of Marketocracy. Tonight, we have Glenn Brownworth and Dan Wyman as our guests, uh, two, of the, two of the great masters. And we have some uh, questions to talk about here and talk about what's going on in the market and certain stocks. So, guys, uh, I wanted to start talking about black swans. You know, I get often asked the question, what's a black swan? And sadly, we just experienced one with the Hamas terrorist group invading Israel and with the atrocities that our future generations will read about in the history books. Although thousands of miles away and on another continent, this does affect our markets. And there are Americans who've lost lives and some are still missing. But this is one of the many worries in the markets right now, with others that include the ongoing Russian-Ukraine war, the ongoing debt ceiling debate, the Speaker of the House being voted out for the first time in the history of the United States, and they have not elected a new one yet. The rising bond yields, and today we had a poor bond auction that didn't help that. And even the success of the trials of the new drug Ozempic uh, that has the market dumping food and dialysis stocks because there's a little overreaction and, uh, and uh, the reactions of this trial being so good are that People think nobody's going to be uh, eating and drinking as much and that uh, not as many people are going to need dialysis, which will be quite amazing. But I think it might be a little overreaction. So what are you most concerned about today? If anything, knowing the way hum uh, humans are, and especially Americans, if they knew that Ozempic, they could eat more and drink more and still make their, their weight go down. Actually, people will be eating more and getting, you know, eating more and drinking more. That's the weird paradox of things like that, right? They're going to be like, ah, I can eat more and drink more. The doctor will just give me some more Ozempic and I'm good to go. Yeah, I think you wanted something. I mean, I heard that Ozempic had issues with, uh, with li potential liver damage with people, you know, but it was really designed for, I think it was for diabetes, but people are using it for like a weight loss drug in Hollywood. And it's not, it's definitely way off label for that, for that use. I don't know. I I think if I'm picking a concern, I'm going to pick interest rates. And it's really not um, the short-term rates that I'm worried about. It's the fact that inflation is here to stay and where rates are going to be higher for longer. And it's going to cause a repricing of asset values that hasn't really occurred in the market yet. It's occurred, you know, so far, everybody's thought, you know, the Fed's going to raise rates, we're going to fix inflation, rates are going to go back down. If they're higher for longer, then the discount rate you pay for any earning asset must necessarily go up, and asset values are going to decline. And I just don't think people are prepared for that to happen, um, whether it's real estate or, um, you know, that's the first thing that jumps into mind is residential real estate. It's, you know, 8% mortgage rates freezes people out of the market. You know, you're going to have institutional owners of real estate instead of um, home ownership by most people. Um, you know, and then you get into commercial real estate and the repricing there and all and how that kind of flows through the economy to, uh, you know, other financial assets to banks and and things like that. I, th I just don't think anybody's really paying attention to that. Um, in the way that they should. Um, so that's the thing that's most on my mind right now about, you know, as far as risks go to our economy and um, to investing 
is just the repricing of assets um, as people have to raise their discount rates. So, and I think that's a great point. And I think uh, to your point, a lot of people can't really relate to how much it affects everything. Uh, I was in a discussion uh, earlier this week about some retailers that rely on financing their inventory. And so it's a major point of how much inventory they have right now and keeping it tight because they're paying those higher interest rates to finance that inventory. Um, and your other point, of course, too, is that the valuations are all based on those long-term interest rates. And you put that in the formula and it changes everything. So, well, I hope that you're not right. And I hope that we see those rates coming down. Um, I have the same concerns. Um, I'm certainly concerned about the wars too, because uh, that's just, it's, it's sad, it's ugly, um, and it will affect us. But I think most of the other things besides the interest rates, unfortunately provide some opportunities, uh, like the overreactions of people dumping food stocks and dialysis stocks. Um, and in, even with the war, there becomes opportunities in defense stocks. Um, and, and it's very sad what's going on over there. I don't want to dismiss that at all. But the, um, you know, the, the political part of it, that happens all the time. We'll get through it. We'll get over it. Um, sad to see our country in that shape of all this political uh, uh, maneuvering. But uh, the, it really does come down to the interest rates, Dan. Yeah. I, I think that's a, a great point. You're right. And if you just reflect just for a little bit, like you're saying, inventory, you know, corporate bonds, right? Everybody put a bunch of cheap debt out there during uh, COVID. Um, when all those debt maturities come due in the next uh, three to five years, that's going to create issues. I mean, it just, if they stay higher for longer, you can sit and reflect on what that means for individuals and what that means for companies. It's just not going to be a pretty picture. And I just don't think it's priced in right now. <clears throat> definitely, definitely. So in, in the same line, um, you know, inflation is a factor in all that. And the PPI came out yesterday a bit hotter than expected. The CPI came out today, uh, the Consumer Price Index. It increased 0.4% on the month and 3.7% from a year ago, both a tenth above the forecasts that were expected of 0.3 and 3.6. The core CPI, which is less food and energy, of course, increased 0.3% on the month and 4.1% on a 12-month basis, and those were in line with expectations. Early this morning, it seemed like the market was taking it pretty good, uh, but then, of course, the market sold off pretty big. I think part of that had to do with that poor bond, um, uh, bond auction today. Um, but based on everything that's happening, do you think that the Fed is going to raise rates again, or are they done for the year? I don't know. I mean, they've left the door open to do that. Um, I, I don't think it was, you know, they might bump it up another quarter point. Um, they may want to wait and see, too. I mean, I honestly, I hope they just stand pat and wait and see how this flows through. Interest rates take, what, nine months to kind of work their way through a, the economy. Um, they need to kind of watch the data a little bit longer before they react. But um, yeah, I hope they don't, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do. That's for sure. Definitely a hard one to project. Um, there's been a few Fed governors in the last week or so um, with some rhetoric that makes it sound like 
they're they're done for the year. Um, but as you say, they're certainly leaving the door open and um, we'll see. I mean, the core is more important to them than the overall. So the core being in line with expectations, hopefully is a good sign. And I think that's part of why the market held up early this morning. But there's still the overall interest rate concerns. And then bond yields started going up through the day, especially with that poor auction. And that's an indicator of, of uh, where rates are going. So, yeah. yeah. So here's another interesting story. Uh, Birkenstock um, IPO'd yesterday. And um, it opened uh, and quickly became one of the most disappointing IPOs in the market. The IPO price was $46. It closed yesterday at $40.06, about 12% lower than its IPO price. Uh, today, it was down further in this week market. I, I saw it at one point around 37 and change. Um, do you guys particularly, I don't know how familiar you are with Birkenstock, how much you watch them. We all know that Barbie was watching wearing Birkenstocks in the movie recently. Um, 245-year-old company um, that's just gone public for the first time. And um, I heard the CEO on, on uh, TV the other day saying yesterday, in fact, that uh, they, they have a weight for their shoes. So um, do you guys think that the IPO was a result of uh, the company, the, the, the listing issue? Um, or a market-wide issue? Does it indicate anything to you? Hmm. Well, in my my experience, they were never really my flavor. They're really kind of like sandals for hippies. <laughs> and uh, they were big when I was in school. You know, people were deadheads or into the Grateful Dead. That's what everybody worked at Birkenstocks. I would have figured that would have been the best time decades ago to actually go public. But now, I guess, I don't know. It's, it's hard to find that niche in, sh in shoes and everybody wears Crocs and stuff like that. So, but I think it has to do with the well, movie. They figured the timing was appropriate, but. In, in case you haven't shopped for any Birkenstocks recently, Glenn, like you, <laughs> it sounds like you haven't. I'll just, I'll just correct your statement and say that they're expensive sandals for hippies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Expensive sandals. <laughs> my, 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 my wife wanted some, and so she started shopping for them. And this is why I know. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, I, I have some Birks. I have some Birks. I guess they are. They've, they've lasted this long, you know? <laughs> I mean, I have some Burks. I don't need any more of them. The ones I've had, I've probably had for 10 years and they still look great. Yeah. But, you know, that's not a necessarily a good formula for, uh, you know, for a stock, right? I, I mean, I'm not running out and buying new ones. Yeah. I, you know, I appreciate the product, but um, I don't know. Like, I, I honestly can't answer, you know, as far as the investment, I would have no interest in buying Birkenstock stock right well, like i just <laughs> it's just not something that i'm going to get excited about i think it's hard to invest in a fashion company because yes. fashion can shift in a millisecond you know right. on the internet somebody says something or you know decades ago before the internet somebody you know buy a hula hoop it takes six months or 12 months for somebody to get into a hula hoop but now it's within a few milliseconds and it spreads and it can go the opposite way too too right, right. I mean, somebody gets bored with it or it's the Barbie movie kind of fades away and people forget about it, right? Yeah. It yeah. is a great point. There have been a number of companies, especially in the high end, like Birkenstock is, that have yeah. done extremely well recently. You know, the um, 
Moet uh, Hennessy Company uh, with Louis Vuitton, and they own a lot of premium products. And um, of course, Capri was just purchased recently, which is a collection of uh, high-end names. Um, so it's uh, there's possibilities for it, uh, but there's some definitely some good points. And uh, I tend to be a little bit more of a value investor that I think is going to grow rapidly. So it's not. Uh, not a big one for me. I'd rather buy uh, Macy's at the valuation it's at, paying a big dividend, and um, let them sell. Uh, I don't know if they sell broken stocks. They they may, but that's right. <laughs> make they the do. money that way. So yeah. Um, energy. Let's talk. Let's shift and talk about energy. It just started bouncing back a little off the recent bottom, and it certainly had a little boost with this new war in the Middle East. Are you investing in energy? And and where at if you are. Uh, I am not. Uh, I, I guess I guess I can't say that. So I have Tesla. I have um, First Solar, and I have some Enphase now. After uh, Glenn kind of turned me on to that company, <laughs> so my energy investments are not in oil. They're in renewables that I think um, are probably going to be more phased in than you know oil. I drive a Tesla. I I, I need to put solar panels on my house. I want my car to run on the sun. Uh -huh. So that's my view of energy. And I think um, I'm staying away from the oil stocks. They're probably fine. They pay big dividends. It's just it's just like I couldn't bring myself to buy an oil company. I just couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I felt like that for a while until it had this, these big runs recently. And then I had to dabble a little bit. Uh, because I just felt like there was actually still some value and some, and because of the dividends. Mm -hmm. And uh, but I've been thinking of it more as a short-term replay because long-term, yeah. I I'm right with you, and I'd rather be in renewables, electric. Um, and I think there's some opportunities with some electric companies out there right now that are paying close to market value dividends that I think can appreciate quite a bit. Um, so I'm 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 pretty close to yours, except that I am holding a little bit of uh, like Devon, uh, Coterra, uh, but I'd prefer to invest long term into some more uh, electrical companies and renewables. And a lot of these electrical companies are are focused on renewables as well. So I like them for that reason, and because all those Teslas uh, need to get their electricity somewhere too. So it's totally yeah. true, right? I, I that's the thing. Uh, the I live in Missouri, so. There's a big coal-fired plant just to my west that powers my car. So, um, yeah, obviously, it's uh, people are still using that energy, right? Yes, yes. And, and I learned something today uh, that I didn't even know existed. Uh, coal rollers. You guys ever heard of coal rollers? Yeah. It's rigging the trucks up so they produce extra exhaust in, in, in oh. protest of all the renewable yeah. and the green energy. I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Glenn, any any thoughts on energy? Uh, well, like Dan said, I I don't know enough about the energy business to to get into it. I could see there's value with dividends and stuff. However, I do think that we're kind of in the middle of a threshold changing right here. And batteries and solar and wind and all these tools definitely work. And if the oil companies push prices too high, they're going to push all those people right on the edge or thinking about it. They're going to push them right into the hands of renewable energy, because if, if you do the numbers, I think 
uh, a gallon of gas compared to a gallon of gas, like electrically, is like 60 cents a gallon. So compared to where we are now, 60 cents a gallon, and if the value proposition of putting solar panels on your roof with some batteries and you could run it that way, I mean, that's, that's hard to, it's hard to, you know, resist something like that, especially if you're a company, you have a warehouse, you have a factory, you have a school, you put some solar panels up there, and at least you're covering some of the cost of your power. I think that that can potentially shift the way our whole economy works in our country, you know? I'm uh, good points, and I'm I'm sitting here wondering if Chat GPT would have been able to follow you when you said a gallon of gas electrically is sixty cents. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to trying to figure out how to explain. I got that. it. I got it. I just didn't know if Chat GPT would understand that. But <laughs> so I just went online and looked at what a new Tesla costs. You can buy a Model Three for. What does this say? $28,000. For the well, entry level. For an electric car that yeah. doesn't need an oil change, doesn't have a transmission. Mm -hmm. You know, the only thing you really have to replace is the tires. Yeah. So, and the battery in 10 years, right? But $28,000 for a new Model 3. They, they, there's a company in California that uh, rents cars and they've been renting S's for 11 years mm -hmm. and some of them have 800,000 miles on them. Exactly. So theoretically, once the car literally disintegrates from mother nature, the battery will be intact and then you can recycle them for people's houses. That's where all these batteries right. are going to exactly. go. You know? Right. The batteries right. still work. The car will disintegrate into a pile of rust, but the battery will still be intact and you can still, oh, I'll just hook it up to my house and I'll get another 10 or 20 years out of it. Yeah. Right. Crazy. Interesting. I, I was recently surprised. I bought my wife an electric lawnmower. <laughs> she loves to cut the grass. So that's why I say I bought my wife an <laughs> electric lawnmower. And um, she has to have the line straight. But anyways, um, just this summer and it came with two 80 volt batteries and one of them died. Um, yeah. And so I called the company. They were great about replacing it. They sent a replacement out, but I was surprised that they didn't ask me to send the old one back. They just told me to dispose of it properly with the, within the community standards. Um, I would have thought they would have asked, wanted the old one back to recycle and do that. So um, it was kind of interesting speaking of recycling batteries, but that is a great point about the Teslas. I know they just cut the prices. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting with these strikes at the UAW, um, what's going to happen with the big three and what they're going to be able to do, because that's one of Tesla's advantages, too, is no union. Actually, if I may speak to that point, uh, one of the analysts I was watching actually had an alternative view of why Tesla is so against this, because if the UAW is successful in getting their rates to go up and getting what they want, then the people who are at Tesla and they're not unionized, they're going to start thinking maybe we're going to unionize our factories because the UAW just made it worth our while to do it. And he doesn't want that. That's why he has his edge because he doesn't have to deal with the unions. <laughs> I think the average salary is a, it's like, it's not all in a year but based on benefits. It's 126,000 a year. If you include, you know, pensions and their, you know, their, their, their benefits and everything like that. But he doesn't want the UAW to succeed because that'll, give people in his companies the idea and they've already tried to unionize his factories. So. 
Not to mention it's just going to add to the inflation problem because the yeah. companies are just going to have right. to raise the prices of their cars. Yep. Yep. And, yep. So it will be interesting to see how it plays out. But uh, segueing from Tesla, my next question tonight actually was, do you gentlemen think that the Magnificent Seven, being Apple, Meta, Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon, NVIDIA, and Tesla, will lead the next rally up, or will it be the left-behind value stocks? There's some... Kinda, go ahead, Dan. Go ahead. You go. Glenn. <laughs> okay. I'm I looking at you. I, kind I think of I stumped you both. Yeah. <laughs> I do believe that these companies have products that everybody wants, right? Uh, what's it called? The H the H100 is a chip that Am that Nvidia has right now, and they can't make them fast enough. Uh, Google's making money. Microsoft's making money off of. Actually, the thing with ChatGPT is that they lose twenty dollars for every ten dollars they make on ChatGPT because of the amount of electricity and the resources meant to actually run the system right now. But I think they're ahead of everybody else. That's one reason, and nobody else has these products. You know, except for American companies. So I'll see that as a good sign, you know, and I think with onshoring coming back and there's like an issue with building so many factories in the U.S. is that we don't have enough concrete right now. You know, we there's not enough sand to make all the concrete we want for all the factories that we're rebuilding in America. So it's 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 weird and that'll create more inflation. So it's 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 a weird circular kind of paradoxical system that works on itself. Things are getting better, which will create more inflation that'll drive down prices because we'll be buying them here instead of China and we'll be buying them from Mexico too. all of our stuff mm -hmm. in the future. So I don't know. We don't really have a, we don't really have stuff in our economics textbooks for this. What's what we're going through right now. The, the, the concrete thing might surprise people, but I know people, family members that were delayed in getting their swimming pool poured because there was a concrete shortage. Yeah. And it took like an extra three or four months because of the concrete shortage. So yeah. it is a that is a real thing. Yeah. Uh, no, and on no, no, Microsoft, they they just were notified by the IRS today that they owe billions in, in back taxes. Hallelujah. Um, they were <laughs> something calculated different than the IRS says. So that, that will be interesting to see how that plays out too. But I, I, I just don't see how, I mean, these tech companies, you know, Tesla and NVIDIA, I both hold. and there's a good, there's a reason why I think both of them have such great growth prospects. Microsoft and Apple, I think everybody should have that in their portfolio, right? That their you, monopoly power at Microsoft is huge. Um, yeah. That they're an innovator in AI. Um, you know, Apple, you know, just watch their R and D budget, right? Like it's not going into a black hole. Their products are just going to keep rolling out. Um, they're well. They're very disciplined about how they manage their product releases. Um, I mean, I'm not a huge meta fan. I mean, people are, but uh, you know, I, I keep waiting for somebody to re to replace them. But you know, they're they're a powerhouse. Um, yeah. And then Google and Amazon, right? Like they're they're fine. You can't go wrong really holding those. So I don't know if they power the stock market higher, but. You know they're still growing in their behemoths, and and they have pricing power. So, well, I agree. I think they'll continue to grow. I, I tend to want to lean into the the forgotten value stocks right now a little yep. bit more because I think there's a lot of value out there. Uh, but I definitely agree that uh, there's a lot of value in those companies as well. 
so it'll be interesting to see. Um, I, I think we could have a really good rally going into the end of this year. Uh, beginning of next year could get rough again. Um, and then the the elections next fall could uh, spring things back, but it uh, depends on how things work out and what happens. So let's uh, be interesting to see. Last but not least today, what are your last thoughts for our listeners and, and where would you be investing your money today? Um, that's a tough one. Um, I'm, I'm standing pat right now. I'm not adding to any positions. I'm kind of waiting um, for the next idea to strike me, right? Um, you know, like I, I mentioned, NVIDIA and Tesla, I probably want to add some more Microsoft um, because I haven't in a while. But, uh, you know, just if you have some winners, keep adding to them, keep dollar cost averaging into them. Um, and uh, I mean, that's that's the only thing I can really advise right now. I think uh, I'm not there's nothing I'm really excited about right now. There's there's a kind of this wall of risk that I'm seeing and um, I want to keep some cash in reserve. That's that's the way I'm thinking about it. Glenn, what about you? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with the the risk scenario we're in right now. Ironically, I think in the past year and a half, when it got riskier and scarier and drives everybody out, those are the times to kind of hop in, you know, and the blood's yeah. flowing in the street. So maybe right now, in the next couple of months, with chaos in the Middle East and everything, it probably is the time to kind of start, you know, dipping in, buying a little bit more of some of the the better ones that you have, you know, adding right. to your positions. Um, I, I kind of lean towards Lockheed Martin because they make the HIMARS and everybody on earth wants that piece of machinery right now. Poland wants to buy 500 of them. The U.S. only has 400. So at the rate they build them, it'll take 10 or 15 years to build enough for everybody on earth. So that's one company I think, you know, has very good long-term prospects because, they build something that everybody wants, especially with what's going on in Ukraine and in the Middle East. It's we're, we're good at making weapons. It's what America's good at. We can make these things pretty well. And now everybody, everything's on display. You know, would you, would you really want to put your money in, uh, in in Riyadh or Yuan or rubles right now? I don't know about that. I think you, good, old, good old greenbacks or, you know, say what you want about American currency. It's, you know. When they when they found Prigozhin's money stashed away in his house, he had 100 million in, in greenbacks, not in rubles. You know, that's where that's where everybody wants to go. They want to go to where the greenbacks are. So, I still I'd say yes. Still still until the end of the year, buying in gradually into some of these companies, I think is probably the best bet. Well, I'd say I'm pretty aligned with uh, both your thinking and that I'm trying to hold a little bit of cash to capitalize on some opportunities. And as uh, some of those things pull back, uh, I'm, I am nibbling a little bit, uh, bought a little bit more today. Um, and I, my number one pick right now, I would say, is Boeing. Um, I think it's way underdone, um, and it has a lot of upside opportunity. I actually picked up a little bit more today because um, it pulled back again after just starting to pick back up the last couple of days. Um, and and they do have some defense in their company too. So there's a little defense play in them. Uh, there's a big backlog of planes um, and it's a duopoly. It's Boeing and Airbus, so. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, thank you for uh, another session of uh, Ring the Bell with the Masters of Marketocracy. 
We'll be back uh, next month with a guest, uh, former Marketocracy portfolio manager, Todd Hagopin, and um, we will talk to you all soon. Uh, don't forget to uh, visit www.marketocracymasters.com uh, to uh, view the latest information on our, our portfolios and our performance. Thank you.